Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Mat podcast, hosted by Emmanuel Clauser and Jared Rowan. A space for you to transcend your yoga beyond your mat and into your life. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. Welcome back to Beyond the Mat. Hi, guys. Happy Thursday. We are joined today by a super amazing yoga teacher and sound facilitator, Michelle Berlin. And we are just going to let her introduce herself because I feel I could say a lot, but the best person to do that is her. All right. My name is Michelle. A lot of people call me Shelly. I was born and raised in Joyzy, New Jersey. Don't make fun of me. But I've been, I feel like I'm a local. I've been living in Miami for 17 years now. So yeah, and I started yoga. Actually, what brought me to yoga was a car accident in 2005. No, no, 2004 in college. And I was rear-ended by a drunk driver. It was a hit and run. Oh my gosh. And I got smashed up. Like it was really traumatic. Had a lot of spine injuries. And then actually after doing like a year of, therapy, physical therapy, I got started dabbling into yoga. And then I found my way to Iyengar yoga. And I was like, there's something more to this. And I think it's very fitting for your show because I think Western yoga gives you like the asana, the taste of like, oh, but then you, when you dive in a little deeper, you're like, wait a minute, there's more to this. And that's when I was like, I got to go to the source. That's when I went to India for love it somewhere else. You went to Rishikesh? Yeah. Where did you go? I studied in, I was all over. I did India twice. I was there for eight months. I couldn't leave. Got plugged into that, all that devotion and goodness. Um, I was in Pune at the Iyengar Center. And I did go to Rishikesh and then I did a lot of hiking in the north. So I loved it. Did you like Rishikesh? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I love all the naked Naga Babas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The devotees of Shiva. I love it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, how funny is this? That was my first international trip ever. Wow, that's a- brave. <laughs> so I, I sobbed, I sobbed when I got there and then yeah. I like Yeah. Go. It's intense. When, like when you for I I'm sure you flew into Delhi. Yeah. And did you stay in Delhi a few days? Delhi and then Agra as well. Yeah. yeah. It's intense. I mean, I love it. It's like organized chaos, but somehow there's a divine flow to it all. <laughs> did you do a yoga teacher training in India? What did you, or did you just like study or? Yeah, I did. It was like the second teacher. I did one here in Miami with an, um, my first yoga teacher, Ruslan Claytman. He's amazing. And he, we partnered up and we opened a little studio in on 54th and Collins. And then I was like, that's when I was like, there's something more to this. And that's when I went to India, I did another teacher training that was Iyengar based in Rishikesh. And then that's when I found my way down to Pune. And I did more training at the Iyengar Center, which was very intense. And I'm all sure. of it, like, used, like, the sound, the, you know, Himalayan bowls. So it's, it's like, wow, these Shavasanas are amazing with these sounds. <laughs> so super we cool. Love, and I love, love, love Iyengar and um, the use of props and adjustments. I think mm-hmm. that's the school of training that I was trained through for adjustments oh. and props. Nice. Yeah. Love that school of thought. Yeah. Jared just got done a Katona teacher. Oh, Katona. Yeah. Wow. That's like, 
We just had Abby I, on the podcast. Oh, like, wow. Not so long ago. So like, I'm a little, um, I, I've been, yeah, I'm a little riding high. It, it, it was very intellectual. Yeah, but I like that. I heard it's amazing. And it kind of like pulls from the Iyengar lineage, right? Yeah. Yes. Good for you. So, yeah. And then would you say you found sound healing when you were in India? Is that when it kind of came through or did you have a taste of that before? Are you, were you a a musician? No, not a musician. You know, we at, at our old studio, Ruslan and I, we had Chris, this crystal ball I've had for like. It's so big. You guys can't see, but like, it's a (laughs) giant crystal ball. Yeah. 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 I've had them for since. You know, we had the studio in 2006, seven and everybody was like, oh, you know, they, everybody thought it was like kind of woo woo stuff. But now that there's a lot of science backing up the sound, but then I got more into the metal instruments because I was, a you know, exposed to the Buddhist and Vedic lineage that uses, they don't use crystal. They use the, the metal bowls, which now you understand why, because yeah. you took the training. So yeah. yeah. Is there a short answer? Why? Because I want to know why. Why I'm drawn to the metal? Well, so no, yeah, the metal versus the crystal. I, you know. So yeah, so the I mean, one thing with the gongs and the metal bowls is they are connected to like a lineage. So the Buddhist monks and the Brahmas, they've been using them for you know thousands of years, and the monks believe that like in these sounds are all the secrets to the universe. Whereas crystal bowls are amazing because they're made out of like the earth elements and the alchemy bowls, but they they're not really connected to a lineage. And then scientifically, the Tibetan, well, I say Himalayan bowls, they're from the region of the Himalayas. They have been linked to studies where they're measuring like how it entrains the brain for meditation. So they create more of a conducive environment in the mind for meditation because they have more pronounced overtones in them. So that puts the the brain waves into maybe going from beta to alpha, gamma or delta. So it and there's a lot of uh, cool s- studies that are happening with the um, the Himalayan bowls, and then the gongs. You know they're used for so many different. They're also used in Europe for like wars, weddings, and and the gong just like consumes you. So I mean, cool. they, yeah, they. They're, they're amazing. So I'm drawn to those. Uh, obviously, I'm biased because I was in these countries in Nepal and India. And um, I love the crystal bowls as well. But I kind of like to work with instruments that are connected to a lineage. Yeah. yeah. And just as like a shameless plug, Michelle was in Nepal. Yeah. And she studied with I, what would you call like him? A, well, he could, they called him like the sound shaman of the, the village. Yeah. Yeah. He was a like fifth generation sound shaman. And he lived in, um, cause in, in Nepal, just like India, there's like Buddhist and Hindu and they live together in harmony. So it was like a Buddhist village, but there's obviously Hindu practicing people there. So I got to study with him and his clinic. And then I got to be with the monks in the morning in their prayer and um ceremonial space where they use sound very differently not for healing but for an invocation of different deities and invocations to be mindful so i wouldn't say that they play the gongs in a soothing way they play it where it's like shaking you where you have no other option but to like be here right (laughs) come back come here like you know be here now 
But anyways, if anyone's looking for bowls, she has a plug. <laughs> oh, yes. I have a, I have good sources there. <laughs> so. so she gets them from that village where she yeah. studied. So it's pretty cool. And yeah. they're all handmade there. Yeah. And they're super great. So if anyone's listening is interested, hit us up. I'll put all of our contact, as I always do, where to find her um, in the show notes so you can easily click on it and then reach her that way. Yeah, for sure. So did you, when you started, came back from India and came back to teaching, Mm -hmm. did you incorporate sound right away? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was always playing the crystal bowls, but then I I started incorporating other sounds. And I also, I did a lot of traveling in my life. So I've been to over 40 countries and I got to like, see how all these different from Australia to Peru and Brazil, how they all use, every culture has a connection to sound. So I kind of derived from all these different cultures, obviously mostly rooted in the Vedic tradition, but, and then, you know, now there's these new age instruments that, you know, you like love to the hand pan, love, love. but I started using it. And then I saw this hand pan in India on my second trip. You did? Yeah. And that's the first time I saw the hand pan was in India. Oh, and I saw crazy. this like, hippie with dreadlocks and he had no shoes on and he was like playing on the side of the road, like an American guy. And I was like, oh, that, that instrument is like mesmerizing. And so I started cool. looking it up and I'm like, back then in like 2010, they were $10,000 and you had to really? be on the waiting list because there was only like 50 of them made in the whole world. It was crazy. I was like, how did this hippie with no shoes busking on the side of the mountain in India, get his hands on a $10,000 instrument. But yeah, so I incorporate the linear. The, the hand pins like the kind of like a drum a bit. Turned it looks up, like a turtle shell almost. Yeah. yeah. It looks like a spaceship, like yeah. a little alien UFO. Yeah. yeah. It's super cool. Um, And so you started to bring that into like at the end of your classes, I'm yeah. assuming? Yeah, at the end of the classes, and then I started doing more sound. Because I think that whereas yoga, not all yoga, but sometimes people are intimidated. Like I have a lot of older clients. They're intimidated to to go into a yoga studio. They're like, oh, I can't do yoga because I'm this. And then they give a list of excuses. But sound is so universal. Like, like, what do I have to do? I'm like, nothing. That's the beauty of it. You just lay down. (laughs) So it's literally for everybody if you you know I've even worked with handicapped people yeah. and I, I mean um so it, it like everybody can do it I mean everybody can just lay there we've talked a lot on the pod just about how yoga is actually pretty intimidating the physical practice mm-hmm. so I love that you touched on like the the sound healing is really ex- even more accessible yeah to, to people um and I love that you've um, really been able to touch a wide variety of people through your sound work. I mean, that's, yeah. and yoga is more than like we, we talk about beyond, it's more than just a physical practice. Of way course. More. Yeah. yeah. And I guess like the reason why we brought like Michelle in, not only because she's amazing, but also just like to kind of present all the different facet and how broad of a topic yoga is. And like, mm-hmm. we were talking when I went to training with you about how, like, the more you learn, the more you realize, you know, nothing. Yeah. Like yeah. there's so much to learn. It just never ends. And so you can be a student for life and that's a beautiful gift, but it's also like, oh my gosh, there's so much. I know. I know. And it's, I think at the end of the day, not discouraging people from doing the asana because there's so many healing benefits, but 
you really don't have to do the asana to cultivate a state of mind that is yoga. Right. Like yoga is not a verb. It's more like, it's like a state of mind that we're reaching. So I always say to people, my mom's the biggest yogi, but she doesn't practice asana. Right. And we often like measure people like, oh, they have like, wow, what a um, cool or beautiful yoga practice that person has. And they're doing all these gymnastic type like postures, but then, you know, they're the first person to get road rage or something. And then you're (laughs) like, wait, is yoga really working for you? So I, I measure like a yogi by how they show up in the world, how they show up in the relationships, how they show up in friendships, how they show up and treat the person at the checkout at Whole Foods or, right. you know, I, it, that's um, all I measure it. it so. Yeah. And so you found that when you went to India, because I think in the Western world, unless you have a gifted teacher and you're very lucky, the asana is kind of like separated. And we have a lot of our listeners that are either practicing those asana focused classes, but we also have some teachers. And if they were intrigued as to how they can start to, you know, incorporate, um, we were talking beforehand, they don't necessarily need like an instrument. Yeah, just I I think it's so important to open the class with ohms, with the vibrate and like really Maybe even breaking it down. Sometimes I'll do it in classic why it's so important to just chant OM to run those vibrations through the physical system. So trying not to attach to like, oh, it's just like a lot of people teach OM like O-O-H-M. Like, yeah. Oh, like it's just leaving, but it should be like a ah in the belly, a ooh, and then the mm, like really moving those sounds through the body so your your cells start to vibrate. Right. And it's so, that's it's so simple, but this practice can be very powerful. And sometimes I like there's a practice that could be really cool, like at the end of the class where you chant OM maybe 10 times, but not in sync because everybody has a different breath capacity. Uh-huh. So like the room will just reverberate like one big OM. So like say like your breath of ohm is like five seconds, someone else is seven, someone else is three. So it's just like a constant flow of these ohms. That's pretty cool. And then the whole room is vibrating. So you're creating like a sound dome with the student's voice. Yeah. You know? and, I'm, I'm, and I love that. I have been, I've been teaching about a decade and mm-hmm. it wasn't until I trained with Laughing Lotus for my advanced training. Mm-hmm. And they're very, they are very um, like deity based, very like, and I came back and I started oming in my classes and uh-huh. it was pretty cool. Like I would sometimes do it at the beginning, mm-hmm. sometimes do it at the end. And then I also did, I have a lot of chakra training. Mm. So I did seed sounds. So I did oh, what, I love it. and sometimes I would make them. It was really funny. As long as you like go into it with a believing spirit, it's like, they'll do whatever you tell them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I remember one class we chanted like 108 times, like rom, 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 rom. Oh, I love that. Amazing. Like it really like, so I love that you spoke to chanting because I think that is, that is technically kind of sound, right? That is is sound healing. That's sad. Yeah, for sure. Like not a yoga. I mean, that's all these instruments are trying to vibrate. They're creating ohm. Like when you play crystal bolts ohm, when you play these other bowls, it's, creating an ohm um it's all sound so i think yeah we get you know caught up in like oh, the instruments are amazing but definitely introducing that just with simple chanting and people like think oh you have to have a good voice to chant like no <laughs> just chant. i don't have a, I have a raspy voice and i still like 
say om loud and proud. Well, that's what Jared said. And when I got trained, I remember when I came back from my 500 and I started teaching in Pennsylvania, in my training, they weren't so attached to the OM, but mm. the studio that I was at then, she was really like uh-huh. set on it three times at the beginning of uh-huh. every class. And so she was the one to teach me, Linda. And uh-huh. She like made me do it because she's like, you have to do it with conviction. Once yeah. you feel it and you show up, people will go for it. But if you're kind of hesitant and it's right. like half done, then you'll be by yourself and it's right. just not going to land. Right. So. right. Yeah. I love that you do the seed sounds, though. I love those. They're powerful. Yeah. yeah. People, I used to sequence through the chakras for about three or four years before Katona stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause that was yeah. laughing Lotus style, right? Was sequence- yeah. laughing Lotus. It's all chakra. It was, it was God rest their soul. They've um, they're no okay. more, but um, they were all chakra based. So we got cool. every training we went to had a chakra underlay to it. And in India, that was my chakra module. I did my oh. module there in India. So cool. Yeah. You know, a Harvard um, doctor, I actually have her book here. Um, she talks about the seed sounds and how she chants it a little bit different instead of the, like the Lam, Vam, Ram, Yam, Ham, Om. Yeah. She chants it like um, Om, Lam. And then she puts another little like uh, mantra before it. But she was saying that the seed sounds, they were found some like, new text was found in India, like written on a leaf or oh, something what? like crazy. And it was about like, <laughs> and she, and this is like a Harvard doctor and yeah. she was on a podcast recently. And she's like, yeah. So if you chant this enough and you raise your vibration, you can levitate. He's like, wait, wait a minute. You're a Harvard <laughs> PhD. And did you just say the word levitation? levitation? <laughs> and she's like, yes. And she, and, and these, um, they, you know, they call it like the Sita medicine. Um, one of her teachers, like legit was talking about, like, if you do chant this enough, I mean, you know, again, if you're living in Himalayas and you can dedicate hours and hours and hours, it is possible, but we're like urban yogis. So, but I think just like chanting it a few times or having a practice dedicated to chanting a day is like, can elevate you. And she breaks down the whole science behind it because, you know, when a Harvard PhD says something like that, she's got to, she's got to, she's, she's got to back, back it up. up. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was really cool to hear that, like, you know. Yeah. And I think as we progress, as like yoga becomes, I mean, it's been a thing for a while right. now, but I think a lot of the new agey stuff is becoming mm-hmm. a little bit more kind of accepted and embraced and right. especially in science. Yeah. Like, I think sound healing is going to be not that it's not big now, yeah. but I think it's gaining traction gaining for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's exciting. It's good stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot behind them. Like you said, I do a lot with crystals as well and astrology. Oh, nice. And, you know, I, I won't always scold them on the science behind it, but I'll be like, there's actually something called, you know, the Hertz, you know, theory that talks about vibration and how crystals actually have a frequency. Mm, and yeah. So there is stuff behind it. I think, like you said, people have a misconception that it's this woo-woo. Right. Thing. Right. But it's much deeper than that if you stick around to, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So you actually, I didn't know you were in a car accident. Yeah, many years but ago. But unfortunately, you had another accident. I know. Oh, every, yeah. So that time I avoided surgery. Yeah. Doing my anger, and I was just in, um, 
an accident in the summer. This time I couldn't avoid the surgery because it was a pretty traumatic fall. I got was a bit by my friend's dog and I fell down a flight of stairs, which was fun. Uh, <laughs> and uh yeah, unfortunately this time I had to get surgery because the, the the impact was just left me like where I couldn't walk. My leg was I had a lot of nerve damage. But um, you know what? Even in that, there was like it taught me to like go back to my yoga practice and like with my mind, not my body, but to really soften. And that's why I'm like so happy I'm teaching yin because yin is just like yeah. it's such a like soft, soft, soft nourishing passive feminine practice and I think like western culture so yang that we need more yin like overall just energetically so and I mean thank god people are receptive to it because um you know it could be seen maybe as like boring but I even tell students like go into the boredom like in that boredom is like where creativity like where yang energy comes from like right so well, yeah, and I and and definitely Yang energy. I don't like to use words like easier, but it, it's easier accessible. Like Yin right. energy, like you said. Like I love the the restoratives, the Yins, the Nidras, the sound. Mm-hmm. They're actually the advanced practices. I always I mean, say that. I say they're yeah. more advanced than like power yoga. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've been like power yogis in a room to do Yin, and they're like, it's hard to be still. Super yeah. hard. I agree with you. Good point. But the reason I was bringing that up is not to be a Debbie Downer, but just to kind of give people a taste of what you do now, mm. so because you were less mobile for a bit. You you yeah. are teaching in at yeah. Moto, but you're also doing a lot of private sound healing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been do- I've been focusing more on that now, but um, and also just because, you know, I could have a grandma lay here, or even you know what I think there needs to be kind of like a re-education about. Some people that, you know, you know, you want to respect all religions and yeah. sometimes whether someone's, um, you know, Jewish Christian, or they may think that like chanting, like, oh, I'm going against my religion Sure. where sound is very universal. And like, I had, you know, um, my friend and her father who's Iranian and like, I don't know, like, I think that he was like opposed to doing yoga because he thought something I was like, oh, well, this is just sound. We're just going to create some sounds. They're going to run through your body. So I think for those people that don't know really the philosophy behind yoga, this is just like an easy way to like get them in that mindset without, you know, pushing an idea. Right. Kind of. Yeah. And have you noticed, you know, if you compare how people would leave a yoga class that you thought, and then maybe how they leave a session, do you think they get something similar out of each? Is it different? Do you think one gets more work, quote unquote, done than the other? uh, Like between like a, let's say someone goes to like a physical yoga class and then Uh, someone comes to a sound healing. I think it's, I think it's, well, I guess it would depend what kind of yoga class, if it's like an energizing or one that's like, a little slower calming the nervous system I think we'll both put you into parasympathetic I mean you all both of them like this is just a super long sounding is just like a super long shavasana Shavasana. and I think like if you're giving students a good 10 minute shavasana you kind of get that yeah same effect like in the mind and what would you say, and I know this could probably be a whole podcast, but what, what are the benefits that you could say for sound healing for like our listeners? Like what are, mm. what are the benefits of, of take doing a sound class or, yeah. or you know? well, the, I could tell you like what 
the science has backed up and also from like personal experience, it helps with stress. Mm-hmm. It helps with sleep disorders. Um, they say it boosts in, in the immune system because when you can get the body out of fight or flight and in that restful state, it creates a environment in the mind and the body where healing can take place. So if we're always stressed, obviously we're in some kind of disharmony or dis-ease. We want to put the body at ease. Um, also, I mean, anything like, like mental health, I'm not saying that I don't want to make claims that it, you know, cures your depression or cures some, something that's going on, but overall on a holistic level, it is facilitating a space and in the body and the mind. And the more you do it, the more you practice it where, um, healing can take place. I mean, it creates a really fertile environment in the mind for, for meditation. And it's so relaxing. And also, and then more kind of like the woo-woo stuff that I've seen, and I've seen skeptics, like sound can also be a medium. And this is from personal experience working with sound for so long, for 15 years. I mean, complete skeptics where people think this is all like woo-woo, witchy-poo, voodoo stuff. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. They're like, wow, like they they have like contact with people that have passed on or they go into their past lives or like a lot of like kind of stuff like that happens. And this is like, this isn't like one instance, like it's happened numerous times where people are like, wow, I went here, I went there. Or um, they have all sorts of these like transcendental states that they go into. And these necessarily aren't people that have been meditating their whole life. This is just like, you know, you know what I, yeah. I had um, one time, Michelle, this was years, so many years ago that you talked about this and I haven't really done it since, but I have went to a sound healing and um, I think their names were, were, oh my gosh, Mira and Jarrett Levine were their names uh-huh. and they're, and um, they, he also played the guitar awesome. during the sound healing and I did have a transcendental like experience, wow. like what I described it as, and this was probably 12 years ago I described it as like if anybody remembers like Harry Potter when he like goes and sees Albus Dumbledore in heaven like oh my god I love it it, and it's all white like that literally I totally transcended somewhere wow and and I haven't had that sense but it was only through sound that I had that that's the one and only experience I've had but I I I remember it so vividly right well, maybe you just need to come down to Miami yeah. for a little getaway and then we'll get you in with Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that, like, like that's definitely happening and that you're seeing it. Like you said, it's not just some random occurrence. Like people do have these transcendental experiences with sound. Yeah, totally. And they recall a lot of like people recall memories that like when they were young and it brings up a lot of interesting stuff. And I think sometimes it, the sound will invoke maybe what we would say like unpleasant experiences. And I know that you're like a therapist and I don't pretend to be a therapist, but people always share like maybe um, they had to relive some trauma during a sound. But, and I think you might label that as like a negative sound experience, but maybe it's because they need to reheal that. They need to heal it. They've stuffed it down. So it is like a little, I like to say it's like a little, it's like poking you almost like some of the sounds invoke some emotions that people don't want to feel, but literally the sounds like shake your shit up. They bring it to the surface for a reason. So that's where like the real healing I think takes place. 
And what I love what you just said, somebody, I get so much knowledge from my patients and clients. Like Mm -hmm. somebody just shared today, we were talking about Scorpio season and what you just said about it shaking. She gave such a good analogy. She said with alchemy and metal, like, you know, with silver, you, when you put it in water, all the impurities come to the surface, but it's so that you can scrape out the impurities. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's such a good metaphor. And that's like Mm -hmm. similar to what you're saying. Like, yeah, the shit will come up, but at least it's there. And then you can kind of take care of it. Yeah. 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 It's so true. I mean, the gong especially does that. I mean, we talked about in the sound course, it releases this energetic field. The metal has a specific like quality alchemy that releases this field where like atoms um, release into the atmosphere and it creates like a, um, like you can't see it, but if you could visualize like a kind of white sphere around the, the, like the space of like the person and the gong. And it's like creating this like vortex almost. And um, yeah, these atoms get charged. It's very powerful. The gong like consumes you. It's just like, it like eats you up. It it's takes crazy. you. It's like, yeah. you're so, mine now. <laughs> super cool. Yeah. Would you say and- that? Would you say sound healing is for everyone? Or I know we had it on some of our show notes. Yes. Who is it for? Like Everybody, even animals, you would just play a little bit different. And even people that are deaf. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Because of the vibration. Yeah, they're still getting the benefit. They're still getting the benefit for sure. That's so cool. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. But I guess because it's so powerful. No, yeah. It's not only, I mean, because it's, remember, it's, it's, Moving the water yeah. in your body. And that's where like the balance takes place. Funny you said for animals. I mean, Emmanuel knows I have two cats and I'm like a total cat person. Aww, total cat person. I love person. cats. Yeah. And I had red. Cats are, they chant. They all. So that's what I've heard. And they're also Reiki masters I've heard. Yes. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Totally. They really are. That's what I want. Um, but yeah. one thing I used to do for them when they were scared, somebody had told me to go like, shh. Because it sounds like the sound of a womb. <laughs> oh, really? Like the sound in, like they're in the womb? Yeah. Wow. So I would do, I uh, know people were going to be like, he's freaking crazy. Yes, I, you know, but um, I would <laughs> oh. do that for my animals. Yeah. Uh, and it Cats seems are like it, the original sound healers. Their purr is like so oh. strong. It's the best, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up. That's like a good overview of how sound is tied into yoga and they have such a beautiful, like intertwined relationship as far as like healing practices go. And like, I'll put a couple of links on where to find Yogi Shelly on Instagram (laughs) and stuff like that. So if you have any questions or if you're interested in doing a session or um, a training, I know she has some stuff coming up in the new year. So that's exciting. Jared, any parting words? No, I wish we had a whole hour or two with you. I, I know, it's so cool. I knew you were going to love her. I was like, this yeah, is going to be so good. We can really go down the rabbit hole, but yeah, it's like. I always yeah. want more. I open one door, Shelly, and then I want the uh, other door. The other door. Uh, Jared's uh, like, okay, more, more, so, more. You don't do anything really quickly. Do you do anything virtually or does that defeat the purpose? <laughs> you know, I did during the like past few years. I was, but it's really hard to get I, re- I did record so if, if anybody I it's for, you know it's free on YouTube I did it in, during the pandemic I like 
locked myself in my closet with all my instruments as like it's my own little um sound recording studio so i do have some free sound healing on instagram if you just google i mean go i mean not instagram on youtube if you just type in michelle berlin so it, it is best with um ear pods and I, it's decent obviously it's not the same as live in person but at least you can kind of feel a little bit and listen to the vibrations and it's i do a little guided yoga nidra with it too i love that so those people just want to like dabble chill a little out, bit and yeah. chill out but definitely with the ear pods it's better Cool. Yeah, cool. I don't have any. I just wanted more, 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 more. But I, I know that. I can see you. You're like, I'm not done. I'm like, you're the clock master. Jared will have like uh-huh. this little timer and we're recording and he's like, look at the time. Yeah, right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my time. God. So cute. And I'm like, well, we all we all have a whole full day ahead of us and uh, we're going to carry on. But thank you for being here. Thanks for fun. listening. And thanks, Shelly. We're yeah. Thank you for having me. Bye, guys. Have a good week.